0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Running on Tap. I'm Kyle. I'm Jacqueline. And we are coming to you for our our second episode. We are uh, officially doing this now, more than more than once. We are. Look at us. Uh, we are uh, today. We're just going to talk about a little bit about our past week. Jacqueline went on a uh, the longest run to date uh, for her marathon training. So we're going to discuss that. 16 miles. A bit. 16 miles. And she felt every single one of them. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to discuss uh, what, what's, on, what's on the list there that you got?
1: Uh, so this weekend we watched the marathon trials. That's right. In our household. We're going to talk a little bit about the excitement there. And uh, we're going to talk with you about our fueling strategies for our long runs, which I know was something that took me a long time to get right. Uh, I think it really varies person to person, so we can at least give you our experience and maybe that will be helpful.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, Jacqueline, tell me a little bit about your past week. How is training going and how... Oh, I guess before we get into this, what are we drinking today?
1: What I am drinking uh, Dogfish Head Super 8 Super Goes. It is similar to a seaquench but not quite as good in my personal opinion
0: but nothing's quite as good for you as
1: nothing a sea is as good as a seaquench it is a berry sour that has uh, some him- hawaiian sea salt Ooh. in it uh, s- similar feel to a sequench.
0: You love those sour beers. I do. You, if you can't have a like a straight sour, the the goes the is always a goes is always your favorite. It's true. What about you? Uh, I've got a uh, a local beer here in Washington D.C. It is a three stars brewing company. It's called the Peppercorn Cezanne. Uh I love this beer. It's um it, it's it's been a really cold week here in Washington D.C. Uh, and I this beer reminds me of summer. It's definitely. Uh, something that is often at uh it's at nationals park and i'll get that get it there quite often uh around then and it's just something we saw on the shelf and i was like i i, I kind of need that feeling right now but this is it's like a it's a saison so it's a little more a little more bright little summery and it's got these the pe- like as the name implies peppercorns a bunch of spices so it's uh it's got a nice little bite to it but it's an ale so it's kind of like it's got like this malty bit a little like aftertaste but uh you get hit with the spices right up front, which I like a lot.
1: Hashtag so, drink local.
0: Hashtag drink local. You know, I am, uh, maybe it's just because of my, my Michigan roots, but I am always a big proponent of supporting the local craft beer scene. And uh, D.C., actually, you know, you wouldn't think about between Three Stars, Atlas Brewing, D.C. Brow, and all the ones in, like, northern Virginia, there's a pretty good craft beer scene here. So yep. there's lots to choose from. Blue Jacket. Blue Jacket. can Blue Jacket. Love Blue Jacket. They, they don't... Uh, you know they they don't distribute as much as as they don't others but uh you know
1: Great we, beer.
0: We, we only live like a mile away so we go there all the time right exactly so Jacqueline, now that we've discussed our beers why don't you tell me a little bit about how your week went
1: i feel like i am at the point in marathon training where i it's like every other day i'm either questioning like what the hell have i gotten myself into or like the next day being like, I am superwoman and I am flying and I am just crushing life. And there's absolutely been no in-between right. for me. Uh, I had a really good midweek eight-mile run. I've been trying to run the last mile or two of my longer runs a little bit faster, um, both as like a physical challenge, training challenge, and mentally to sort of be like you know I I still have more in the tank like I I can run farther I can do this Uh, so I had a great eight mile run really the first half of my 16 miler yesterday was great I ran inspired by the Olympic marathon trials a little bit and also by the need to be near a bathroom I ran a looped course I did two eight mile loops and uh, the first one went great got to about mile 10 and I was like why have I decided that I want to spend my weekends running for three hours? Like, why is this something people do? It always uh, sucks when
0: your brain turns on during the long runs, right?
1: Yeah. it. I definitely got in my head a little bit. I was also running Haynes Point here, which is a more boring area. It's the worst. Uh, so I was just in my head a lot. But then, you know, you get to mile 14 and you're like, oh, like I've I've almost done it. And then you get like a super great, uh, great endorphin high. Finished strong. Really, in terms of overall training, I feel pretty good about how I'm set up at this point. Um, felt okay afterwards. Tired. Um, but generally, you know, moving around okay. So You
0: seem to be moving around pretty good after this one.
1: Yeah, it, it went pretty well. How'd your week go?
0: Well... I said in our intro episode that we are not uh we are not the perfect runners by any stretch of the imagination and i have uh not i skipped my long run i skipped a uh four mile run and i skipped a five mile run in the last few days because i uh i went out for a run on thursday i went seven miles and it was a very windy day and i just felt exhausted my heart rate was spiking way more than usual and um so I kind of have taken, and I'm. I, we got done with the princess half, so like that was the long, the end of a twelve week long uh, training cycle that I had, uh, and I'm kind of a, f- a few weeks away from the uh, rock and roll half marathon, so which I want to run. I'm trying to possibly PR, so I'm kind of like, oh, I should be like continuing to ramp up and continuing to be in a training mindset. But also like once you get done with the race, you kind of have this, um, you get done with the training cycle, you kind of get down, you know, have this like uh, adrenaline dump almost where you just kind of don't feel like doing anything. So I'm kind of riding that a little bit and just uh, allowing my body to recover and allowing myself to reset before, uh, you know, the coming week and then uh, the next few weeks I'm planning to run 30 plus mile weeks and work out pretty hard in order to get myself into the best shape possible before rock and roll but i feel very rested right now and i feel it's very strange uh you know I, like like we i've said uh this is the most consistent thing i do and i've kind of skipped it you know just kind of like uh woke up and you know on on saturday before uh when we were before the olympic marathon trials started i i was filling up my camelback and just kind of looked around at you and was like i don't feel like doing this today so i think it's important to recognize when your body needs that the kind of recovery and needs to relax a little bit. We had a, we were traveling. We had a very busy February, both uh, inside of training and outside of training. And uh, it was, you know, I think I'm hoping that taking a few days off will get my mind right. And, and, you know, hopefully get my legs right too.
1: I am definitely guilty of beating myself up when I miss a workout and sort of focusing on the workouts I missed instead of the workouts I did. But I feel like it's really important to remember, like we are not professional runners, right? Like, right. that's all they have to do. We have to fit in running around, you know, the, the rest of our lives and our jobs and our social lives and our sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it's all about balance. And I feel like sometimes those things have to come before running to to make you an overall happier and better person.
0: Yeah, it, it's the, one of the tough things about... Like, I love, I love running marathons and I love training for marathons, but I decided to not do any in 2020 because after doing two in 2019, that's a lot of time that was devoted to training and a lot of time that was devoted to long runs on the weekend. And when, you when know, we both have full-time jobs and when we come home on the weekend, we'd like to spend some time together. And, uh, you know, if you're going out for four-mile, or, or sorry, four-hour runs, you're not getting that much time together. So I kind of decided in 2020 to focus on shorter races where... And I w- then
1: I decided to do a marathon. You decided to do a marathon.
0: <laughs> but that's, I mean it's totally fine i uh I, I, you know super supportive of you doing it it was you more are. it was more of uh i think not only did my body need a break from the the you know a, a marathon training cycles four months of just grinding yeah so uh doing that for eight months last year was a lot, but then you know uh i i do get into the sense where uh, like these these times come up with with me you know feeling like i oh, maybe i need to take a break and i don't have a marathon that i'm like well, I need to get these runs in because if I don't, I don't, I won't be ready for the long race. Like I know I can run 13 miles. Like even if right. I don't run it as fast as I want to, I might be a little slower. But you know, if you're struggling to get yourself psyched up for the 17 mile run, or your know, your 14 mile run was a kind of a mental battle to get to, uh, it's kind of tough with marathon training, as you can speak to, because. You don't really have much of a choice. You need to put in those runs.
1: It was actually nice this week because, you, as you know, I, I did stress about the 14-mile run a lot. I feel like that first time in a training cycle going farther than a half mar- marathon is always, like, a tough benchmark for me to break. But this time, there was no thought of, like, oh, this is going to suck. Like, I don't want to do it. I was just like, oh, like, it's Sunday. I'm running 16 miles today. There was no, like, well, maybe I'll stay in bed. Maybe I'll skip it. It really wasn't until mile 10 that I was like, wait, this isn't fun all the time. Like, what? how did I get out here?
0: Right, right. What are you feeling about this point in training? You know, how are you feeling overall? Uh, you're, you're coming up to probably the most crucial few runs, which are, I, I'm not sure if your plan calls for two 20-mile runs or just the one.
1: I will only do one.
0: Okay. So you're coming up to a point where there's all, you know, the runs that really get you into not only... Uh, you know, not only get you into the best mind space, uh, you know, to mentally prepare yourself for the long haul that is 26.2 miles, but also physically get you ready. So where, where are you at?
1: I mean, I was better before I had this conversation. You're like, the next few weeks are critical for you. You must I crush know.
0: I, I scare people.
1: That's what <laughs> I do. Uh, no, I mean, overall, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, the runs are getting, the weekday runs are getting easier, which is you nice. You seem to
0: really be enjoying your midweek runs.
1: I, I have. The the you know eight eight-ish mile midweek run feels good. You know, I, I run right now I'm running four miles the, the two days around that, and that's just nothing. Easy peasy. Right. You know, I much like we talked about in the last episode, you were like the first time I ran four miles, like I feel like going over three, I'm always like, Oh, that's like a you know, kind of far run. Four miles is like nothing anymore. I feel excited that it's so close like I yesterday when I finished I was like I only have an 18 miler and a 20 miler in terms of runs that are longer than this obviously I'm running many more miles besides those two but it I'm really not going to be going much farther many more times before the race uh which is exciting I feel so we were supposed to run the Outer Banks marathon together and I got injured midway through training so every run I'm like oh like you know, is my ankle bothering me? Like I definitely have some anxiety about like making it so far and getting hurt again. That's kind of in the back of my mind. But overall, I feel like pretty you know as ready as I should be at this point. I feel excited. I feel ready for sort of the mental and physical break you're you're talking about. I'm excited. You know, for the race to be over and to take a few weeks off before I really uh, get back into training for our summer races. But I'm, I mean, it's its March now, so the race is next month, which feels crazy. Uh, but yeah, I'm i am excited for
0: it. Good, good. You yeah, know, and that's, it's important, I think, to, you you are coming off a, a training cycle, in, like we as you just discussed a little bit, you got hurt. And it was really uh, not only physically taxing, you know, having an injury hurts. It was still emotionally taxing for you. You still had to go through the expo, go on the course, cheer for me, which cried
1: at the expo. Cried, at, <laughs>
0: cried at the expo. It was, and it, this. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm. I, I did. I did make the the the. You uh, did. You know, the, the requisite offer, like, we can skip this. Like, we, I don't have to race. And we had a great you,
1: vacation. I loved spectating. It was exactly. a great race for spectators. Right.
0: You very graciously said no, like, go Made run you your race. Made you a bunch
1: race. of signs. You, you
0: were awesome. You were, you were a great spectator, and I needed you uh, at the times that I saw you, so it was great. But having to go through that and be really put through the emotional ringer, so that, like, this training cycle isn't just, uh, it's not just about getting your body and, and mind right for... Uh, 26.2 miles it's also about kind of overcoming that setback
1: yeah I mean it, it absolutely is I am typically someone who is nervous the night before a race uh, but I think this one is going to be especially rough uh, so just just le- leave me alone and don't speak to me because I think it will be I think it will be rough my mom uh, you know we, we've been to many destination races together and she came down to D.C. for my first marathon with Kyle and was like, oh, like, I, I don't have to stay with you guys. And I'm like, no, no, we have a couch. She's like, you're kind of intolerable the night before a race, so I'm just going to stay separate. Hey. And I think that will very much hold true this time.
0: You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and I, I very much, like, I think I'm the same way in which at some point, like after we eat our big meal or whatever, like. Something clicks in my brain and it's like, let's lay out the clothes. So yep. You start thinking about exactly what you're going to do the next morning and that kind of thing. So, you know, you get locked in. It's not a big deal that you're, you, you know, I, I kind of expect uh, if, if, you w- if you were too relaxed <laughs> before the race, I would be worried. Yeah. Uh, so you're training for your second marathon. Let's talk about someone who ran their first marathon this weekend in the Atlanta at the Olympic Trials. Uh, it was my first time probably watching a marathon from uh, start to finish, and uh, it was quite the experience. So tell me, you are, you've paid much, far more attention to the greater running community than I do, so tell, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, set this up for them a little bit.
1: Yeah, I was very excited for the trials. Um, there, there's a really deep bench of especially uh, American female distance runners, um, none of whom, I guess none of whom, but a well, lot of... To-
0: to prove that there's a deep, deep bench. Very the people fair. who I had heard of and that you kind of knew, um, didn't have great races. Yeah.
1: A lot of the favorites were really not in the mix. Des Linden did not make the team, which is kind of tragic. I'm, you know, I went to school in Boston. I'm a big fan of the Boston marathon. So would have loved to have seen her succeed, but Molly Seidel I mean, I was in tears. Yes, you were. It was, talk about the emotional ringer. At the beginning of the race, they're talking about this girl who qualified by running a half marathon. So her first marathon is at the Olympic trials. And I'm just like, man, can you imagine that? Then, you know, way later in the race, we're down to like the top couple people coming in and there she is.
0: Just cruising right along
1: second place in her first marathon to make the Olympic team. And I went and looked up, because I, I had never heard of her before, went and looked her up, and Runner's World had did an article before the trials in which she had said, you know, if I, if I finish between 10th and 20th, that'll be a really good day. And so it was just really inspiring. And
0: NBC already doing what they do with uh, Olympic packages and on TV, uh, you know, you may never have heard of these athletes before, and then by the time that their competition ends, uh, you're you're like really on board with them on an emotional level, and you know their backstory. Molly Seidel, they tell, talk about they talked about her uh, journey as a her journey as a runner, which was basically she was a track star and a, a running star in college, but she had a uh, she had an eating disorder that she had to basically she had to get treatment for and had to give up a lot of opportunities coming out of college. And, uh, she has hopefully, you know, she, she has worked on those issues and she has put them in the rear view mirror and now is, uh, you know, in her first marathon ran a two twenty three two twenty four something like that, finished in second place and made the U S Olympic team, which is just truly, truly amazing. It was a wonderful story. And, uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Molly compete, uh, in uh, Tokyo coming up this summer in July.
1: We also really enjoyed the men's race. Seeing, the men's race was crazy. Seeing you know people get way out in front really early, it, there was some interesting strategy. It was,
0: that was the, the thing about watching, the, the women's race was uh, a little bit more, there, there was not as much drama in the race until the end and mm-hmm. really until they connected you with the, per, the, the people who were running. In, because for the most part the pack stayed together for about 18 miles or so it, every, you know the top 10 women were all within a second of each other and it was uh everyone kind of running in a group and then suddenly uh Molly Seidel and uh you know the and the, the top finisher they broke away near the end and and really won by about a minute or something like that mm-hmm. they, you know, they were they were both close together and went uh you know they 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 had broke away from the pack but in the men's race uh It was not the same story. There was someone who made their move extremely early.
1: Yeah. It was, you know, we're watching. I also think Kyle thought we were going to, like, watch the beginning and watch the end, and we watched the whole race start to finish.
0: Two two and a half hours. It was great.
1: (laughs) Uh, But I thought it was really engaging. Um, And so, you know, as a runner, it's just really interesting, I think, to watch and say, well, what's the strategy in going out? Like, do you think you can hold that lead? Is, Is it a mental game to try to you know show the other runners well i'm stronger than you i'm so far out ahead it was just i mean we we so ate we, breakfast right. and it was really interesting so to we're watch. we're
0: watching it and uh similarly to the women's pack the men's pack stayed together for about the first 8 miles or so and then at 8 miles one uh w- one runner decided that was the time to make his kick and he basically he got like a a, a minute out at some point, a minute, a minute ahead, ahead of the pack, parts, and yeah. he he decided like okay, this is my time to make my move. And even the announcers are like, this is really early, so he took off, and another runner actually went with him, mm-hmm. and then decided after about maybe two or three miles that like this isn't the right time, and came back to the pack, which was interesting to watch. Like you can see the gears turning, like the the it's a different style of racing, mm-hmm. like from you know for an amateur runner like myself. I, when I want to go, when I want to do well on a time, I just go out and run as hard as I can and try to keep it at the, you know, steady level as much as I can, like a fast steady level. Whereas these guys could keep it in the tank and they decided, okay, like I'm going to go now. And uh, there's different strategies for each of them. And then, you know, that guy ended up not make it, making the wrong choice.
1: Right. And it's it's a much smaller field too, which is you know, I've never run a race with two hundred people. Oh so, wonderful. Yes. Yeah, but you're sort of you know, you you are sort of in this whole pack. But in the men's race, I was thrilled to see Gallon Rubb come back after injury and win for the second time. He was the trials uh winner in twenty sixteen as well. He ran
0: an incredible race.
1: It was so impressive. And you know, to see after he uh, didn't finish the Chicago uh, Marathon last year to come back, less than a year, less than six months later, like really yeah. not a long span of time, and just run an incredible race. It was really inspiring. Oh, he, made, he,
0: he decided to make his move, like I think at like mile eighteen, mile seventeen, something like that. Like he
1: he stuck with a pack of three people, kind of a lead pack of three people for a bit. Yeah, and then you and know then got he, off. He on took his off, own. and
0: it was incredible watching him finish because he. Uh, you know, they said that he was running like a gazelle, and he really was. This, yeah. He's this tall guy with really long legs and just is, he broke away and kept up this pace, and uh, he ended up w- winning by a good 40 seconds, mm-hmm. something to that effect. The other two, uh, the other two runners really, like, they, ca- they came in together behind him, and they had kind of stayed together the whole time, uh, and it was incredible to watch and just see, you know, it's, it's amazing to me, someone who, you know, has every time I get past mile 22, 23 in a marathon, I'm <laughs> contemplating my life. I'm wondering if my legs are going to fall off. I am <laughs> I am regretting uh, any, like, extra burst of speed I had given at any point in the race before. To see these guys get to that point and think, okay, I'm going to run an extra, you know, I'm going to run... I, I've been running a 510 mile. Now it's time to run a 440 mile. Yeah. And they ha- not only do they have it in the tank, but... They seem to have. They have extra to give. There, mm-hmm. you know. There's uh, the poor guy who finished in fourth place, just outside of the, outside of the team. He finished this marathon sprinting, like, yeah. and and you know, obviously, you're going to, it's you're going to try and accomplish your dream. But I couldn't. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking about my finish in the Outer Banks Marathon, and I could barely. I was walking, and like, could barely like get my you know energy back up to to run across the finish line.
1: Yeah, you looked like you were giving it your all, and you were moving. a a pretty slow, slow clip.
0: My, uh, high school baseball coach told me I, when I would be sprinting, I am not a fast person. He told me, uh, you look like you're running with a refrigerator on my back. (laughs) And I definitely felt that way at the end of that marathon. I felt like I had 10 refrigerators on my back. So, uh, yeah, just to watch someone who's still running at full strength, uh, you know, and obviously they're talking about their training weeks. These guys run hundred mile a week.
1: Right. As much as we run in a month, yeah. they're running in
0: a, in a week. week. So they they should be in that good of shape if they're doing that kind of stuff. But uh, it's just it's incredible to watch. It's something, you know, as, as someone who doesn't really watch running on TV, the closest I get to elite athletes is starting uh, 10 or 15 minutes behind them in the in, in the races. And I am mm-hmm. i don't get to watch them run too often unless uh, they're, pa- you know, we're in a loop and they're passing me going back the other way. Uh it was really something to see.
1: Yeah, I think uh, one quick an- anecdote. I was so excited to watch this, and you know, I actually was trying to talk Kyle into going down to Atlanta to be there for it because there's nothing like spectating and drinking outside at a race. <laughs> and so we sit down to watch it on TV, and Kyle goes, "Oh, it's outside."
0: Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was on a track. I for sure thought it was on a track.
1: <laughs> so I think fair to say. I mean, I've been running a little longer. I read Runner's World pretty religiously. Fair to say, I'm a little more into the world of like elite runners and running news oh, than yeah. Kyle. So this was no, your first no experience. Yeah, with it, it was.
0: It was. I mean, that's, that's all it tells you all you need to know. Is that I thought that the Olympic marathon was run on a track, and uh, <laughs> so it was. Yeah, it was uh, it, it definitely a, a learning experience and really an eye-opening experience to me to see not only like like I, I do. I, I'm like I do this, and yet these guys are so, so much better at it. So just seeing a different level of uh, athlete than I usually am encountering. And it was really quite awesome to see.
1: I also, before I move on from the trials, I just want to give like a quick shout-out. Saw on Twitter, the last two women, there were two pregnant women who ran in the Olympic marathon trials, which, like, girls run the world, right? Like, it was just awesome to see. I feel like so much attention is paid to the front of the pack, but... I bet those ladies were working really hard in the back of the pack, oh, yeah. and it is just, running a marathon is an impressive feat. I can't imagine running a marathon pregnant.
0: Unbelievable. I, I obviously, I'm, it's outside of my ability to even think about, but I, just to, to know, uh, you know, it, it's really inspiring to, to know people end up, you know, I'm sure they didn't plan to either make the trials or they didn't plan to get pregnant uh, when they were, found out they were going to the trials. But to show up and chase your dream anyway and to just yeah. have that experience, it's really cool. It's, it's something that like, I hope you know, they, they definitely will treasure forever. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, great. So now we're going to talk a little bit about fueling for a long run.
0: Yes. A very important thing is something that we are experimenting with all the time and I don't think I've ever properly figured out, still trying to work on, uh, but we... We wanted to talk a little bit about what works for us, what we have found that doesn't work for us, and uh, you know, just kind of some strategies. So what, what did you prepare for this long run with? Uh, what, what was your, what was your uh, fueling and your food? Your, what, what, what did you eat ahead of time?
1: So I had a rice bowl for dinner the night before out of a run fast, cook fast, eat slow. It was the Green Envy rice bowl. So it was just brown rice with some spinach, some edamame, uh, some avocado, some dressing that I had made with some herbs in it, and a fried egg. I actually really like eating brown rice the night before a long run. Before our first marathon, we did a uh, chicken and rice stew. It was
0: a flu fighter stew, right?
1: It was the flu fighter chicken we, and rice stew. We love the
0: flu fighter stew.
1: I know that pasta is big for people, and I've definitely eaten pasta before long runs and been totally fine, but I do really also like carb loading with brown rice. Sure. Uh, And then that morning I had a bagel and cream cheese, which is kind of our standard pre-long run breakfast. Uh, And then on the run, I have, like, a pretty sensitive stomach all the time, but especially when I'm running. Uh, So I am frequently uh, in GI distress during races and long runs. Um, So I know that, like, goose can be really hard on Stomach, So I actually never even tried them. I just knew, had a feeling they were going to sit like a rock and not work well for me. So I looked into more natural uh, fueling sources and ended up settling on Endurance Tap, which is a Canadian company. And they're just little gels of maple syrup with a little bit of sea salt for electrolytes and a little bit of ginger to soothe your stomach. And I love them. They taste delicious. And It's maple syrup. Like, it's super easy to digest, lots of quick sugar. So on my run yesterday, I used those gels and some Gatorade. And I actually, my last marathon, I was just like, I'm going to take these at random time intervals and see how it goes. Uh, So this time, I'm really trying to be better. I looked up, like, how many grams of carbs per hour should I be trying to get? Um, and did some math, and I was able yesterday to take in uh, 44 grams of carbs an hour, and I had no stomach issues. So that was really, really nice, uh, and I, I highly recommend Endurance Tap to everyone because, like, I mean, you could put it on pancakes. Like, it tastes super, super good.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if I've tried that. I feel like I've tried, so, oh, I, you had uh, at one point some sort of fruit, more fruit based. Yeah, I wasn't a that, fan of those. I did, yeah, I wasn't either. I, I tried them. It's like fruit and chia seeds, so it's yeah. supposed to be
1: like energy and sugar. I, I understand the science behind it, but I did not like. I did not like them. No, they were
0: they were they were not not my favorite either. Uh, you you obviously put a lot of thought into your feeling strategy. I need to do better with mine. Kyle is a goat. He can eat yeah. like.
1: Spicy drunken noodles the night before a race and go run a PR.
0: I, I mean, I love spicy drunken noodles. Um, <laughs> I had them, I had them last weekend. It was great. Uh, so I am still very much figuring it out. I like, I when I had my first race, uh, for the well first half marathon, I remember it, we, I was in town. It was in Washington D.C. I uh, was going to the Big Ten basketball tournament down at. Uh, at Capital One Center with my dad, and you might not guess this, but there's not a lot of great ways to, like, get proper fuel or, like, a healthy night-before-a-race meal at a basketball stadium or the bars around. Shocker. So, yeah, right? So, I had, uh, I had macaroni and cheese at uh, a bar across the street. So, I didn't drink or anything the night before. I think that's kind of been a staple, uh, since then I you know, you try not to
1: You had a couple of beers before the race in Disney.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, that was a different It was a
1: chill race. It was a different
0: race than uh than I usually do. Like if there's um you know that was that was going out and we we were, we were kinda of, we we're taking it a little easier. Yeah. If there's a race where um especially depending on the time of year, if it's in the fall here, uh the fall I put that in quote marks, uh, because racing season in D C is still you know, it still could be 70 degrees and super muggy on you know in late october yeah so uh dehydration is a real thing that i worry about that that i'm actually very good about i will try to drink a ton of water uh and try to get gatorade and maybe if you know we have noons around or emergency something like that to get my nutrients up uh but i you're you know you're kind of right i am my st- my stomach does not i do not have a, a sensitive stomach so Before the race in Disney, I had some sort of spicy pasta jambalaya thing at the Rainforest Cafe. It was wonderful.
1: And I asked the bartender to make me like noodles with olive oil and nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, much much
0: different. Uh, But like I I basically go for carb heavy meals uh, and will especially before you know if you're doing you know if I'm doing a marathon training before the longer runs, I'll kind of I I usually try to limit myself to around two thousand calories a day, usually a little bit less. Uh, but I'll allow myself to eat more, uh, you know, a lot more the nights nights before because uh, I have had experiences where just you know I'll bonk out and I'll, I'll I'll just be going and I'll lose it, and that's what happened in the Outer Banks Marathon this past year. Like I was cruising along for 24 miles and then suddenly like it, nothing nothing was there and I thought I had fueled great. Uh, we had. Be a ja- lot the
1: night before. Jacqueline,
0: Jacqueline had made me a wonderful, wonderful meal the the morning bef- or the night before. I had my usual bagel. I had uh, a cliff Bar during the run. Something that I'm still not entirely sure I should be doing. Uh, it's a little bit heavier than I think most people like. But you
1: frequently eat solid foods on your I runs. I do. I do because
0: I get I starve. Mm. i get I get I have realized that like one of the things that I learned in my first bout of uh, marathon training was after between ten and thirteen miles. I'm hungry. I just start, and I need, like, I need something legitimate. Um, I, I, you know, it's not just, like, I can have a, before it was, you know, I, when I first started going on longer runs, I'm like, oh, I have a goo at mile eight, and then, like, at mile 16, I'll have another goo, and whatever, uh, but it turned into, like, I'd have a goo at mile eight, and then at mile 10, my stomach is just, like, you know, I'm looking at the McDonald's I'm running by, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I could get a burger right now, like, I need something, so um, I've started bring, bringing Cliff Bars out. Um, they work most of the time, and sometimes they're too too much. Uh, honestly, the worst thing about eating solid foods on a long run for me is sometimes you'll end up, you know, it'll be time to eat. You need some food, and you're going up a hill, breathing hard, and uh, it's not, you know, the amount of times I've been like, oh, God, I can't believe I'm gonna like choke to death on this Cliff Bar as I run up a hill. Uh, it's happened. M- More than once, uh, I was discussing, telling you the story recently about how in my second marathon, it's um, the the, the rock and roll here in D.C., great crowd, great crowd support throughout the city. If you go through one part of of town, there are lots of people who are, they'll be handing out beer, they'll be handing out Oreos, that kind of thing, and uh, this one father and his son were handing out uh, mini cinnamon rolls, and I saw it, and it just looked so good. I just put the whole thing in my mouth, and then was like, I'm going to... I'm going to suffocate myself with a mini cinnamon roll <laughs> as I'm running you know, through these hills here in the, in, uh, between mile 7 and 8. So I'm still experimenting. I, we, you said I love having a bagel and cream cheese right before. That usually does, does me really well. I love the Jelly Belly Sport Beans. Uh, I, those are for the, you know, the midweek runs, the ones where uh, you, you're waking up and you don't really feel it. And those are a great kick to get you started there. And, uh, you know, it, when I did my first marathon, they carried me through the last six miles, essentially like that simple sugar that just rushed there is really, really great. Uh, but I'm still figuring it out and I'm still, I need to figure out more about, um, you, like you've, you, you talk about timing and, and ta- researching, uh, exactly what you should be putting in your body and when during the run you need it. And seeing the Olympic trials was really interesting. These guys had, uh, they had tables set up every few miles. Uh, I was on this on this loop and uh, had very specified things that they were going to grab and eat. So
1: What a luxury to have someone else Seriously. figure out what you need to put in your body to run well and then have it sitting on a table at the time you'll need it to grab.
0: They did not run or did it, they did not walk through those water stops. They
1: did not. There was, <laughs>
0: there was none of that uh, but yeah, it's something that, like, obviously a lot of other runners have thought a lot about and put a lot of time and thought into, and I'm still st- still getting there. I think I need to, that's something I need to uh, work on, especially if I'm, my my, ne- my goal is to break four hours in the marathon. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to prevent myself from falling apart in the last three miles, which has been, which was my issue uh, last time.
1: I was, re- when I was reading about this the other day, uh, I read an article that was like, you know, it- what you what you fuel with is important but it was like so many people underestimate the importance of timing mm-hmm. and you know when you're going to take fuel and it was like the gel you like the goo you take at mile 20 is going to like help you get into your car right mm. like cuz it takes a while it's a to get in digest, so yeah. you know you don't you don't want to wait until you need it to take it you want to take it so sure. such that it's like digested and you like have that energy available by the time you need it, so it's just. I mean, it seems very much like a jigsaw puzzle that you can read about the the numbers and the timing and the carbs, but I think it really does depend on the person, and it's just a matter of trial and error.
0: Yeah, I don't think I took it seriously until that until the Outer Banks Marathon, when you know I had a conversation uh, with a race with one someone uh, afterwards. He looked he like was. He looked like he worked at the race. He was definitely a runner in some way. And he uh, asked me about my run, uh, how to go. And I'm like, I was doing great. You know, I really, I was ahead of goal time for a while and then I just fell apart in the last bit. And he's like, wow, you bonked out. You need to feel better next time. And I was like, my initial response was indignant. And I was like, I did, I did, I did all the right things. Like I ate, I ate this food that I thought was gonna be great. I uh, had a Gatorade like in the very beginning of the race, which I always do, which I, which usually works great. I had fueled on the, on the run. I did everything right, and then I, you know, thought more about it, and I'm like, well, he's right. Like I, I, I ran out of energy, and I like, basically, basically, you know, I hit, I hit the wall, and uh, really didn't expect to. I thought I had trained myself into a shape that I was like, uh, that I was too, I was strong enough to go through it, but um, you know, that's where feeling comes in. I need that extra kick and extra, you know, energy in my body to really, you know, you, you can only prep so much and you do a 20 mile run you know it's your longest run you don't do a 26 mile run right so it's something that i'm going to need to get better at when i do my next training
1: i also think that i will like i feel like many people think that carb loading begins the night before the marathon but it really begins a couple days before the marathon um not before long runs that would just mean eating whatever i wanted all the time but
0: sometimes that's what happened to me
1: (laughs) before the marathon (laughs) I, my first marathon, I was so worried about running out of energy and running out of fuel. I mean, I just ate and drank everything for like a week before and was like, oh, like I'm well fueled. And now like I have carbs, so I'm well hydrated. I never hit the wall in my first marathon because I mean, it was miserable and hot, but I never like had that experience of like Mm. hitting the wall. I can't move anymore. And I think it's cause, I mean, I would wake up and have like bagel, banana, large thing of Gatorade. Like, I was just taking in every carb I could. So I think I will approach that differently this time, too. I don't think I need to go quite that overboard.
0: That's what... In my first marathon, uh, I, I, much the same way, was, like, very conscious of getting enough food. And then that turned into, I just ate whatever I wanted for four months. And then... What I didn't anticipate was immediately after the race is done, you're done. But then the eating habits you have picked up (laughs) for the previous four months of like when you can eat, I was eating like I'd have a banana, I'd wake up, eat a banana, go for my run, come back, have real breakfast. And then like I'd have a big lunch and I had a big dinner and like I'd have snacks and whatever. And it was fine because I was I run eight miles that day. Or, and I had run five miles the day before, and was going to run five miles the next day, and all this kind of stuff, and you know, twenty miles on the weekend, but then you stop, and I gained fifteen pounds after that. Uh, I got made fun of by my friends when I went back for Thanksgiving, saying like, "How did you run a marathon and have a and you have a belly?" And I was like, "You know, that's a great question. I I, I figured it out a lot better. Luckily, the st- second marathon I trained for was when we were about to get married, so I was I had a vested interest in keeping <laughs> myself uh, slim, but it's um. You know, it 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 is a learning process to not to realize it's not just about amount of food. It is about eating the right things and eating uh, the right amount. Like, I'd realize I didn't need four thousand, you know, three thirty five hundred, four thousand calories to get through a day to get through marathon training. Like, I could do it on twenty two hundred or something to that effect, and uh, would be staying at my same weight and be feeling strong. And it was and it was. I'm fine and I'm eating the right eating better maybe not eating the right things but eating better but it's all about trial and error and uh you know, a lot of error really mm-hmm. yeah speaking of trial and error thank you so much for uh listening in as we have our in our second real episode look at us go yeah uh, we're doing it we uh, appreciate you guys listening and we are still figuring out uh our audio setup and all the things that we're going to do to uh you know to you week after week with this but uh you know we are now on spotify with Jacqueline. where else can people find us at
1: we are on google Podcasts, spotify breaker and radio public
0: amazing more 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 to come more platforms being added all the time yep hopefully yep uh you can also follow us on instagram at at running on tap running on tap and uh yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will speak with you soon